0: My father was married three times and so when he married my mother and I just sort of also listened to them and know them, but also had a uh, feeling of being a leader, being a devoted brother in the, in so uh, doing what I know today was doing as over age in Quite a few of them was already married and there, I think it was three, four of them was still single, mm-hmm. but still there was the oldest, you know, and it was with their mom and dad, my mother and two mothers got uh, remarried, just like my okay. father, yeah. And, and the good thing about it, I knew both of them and dad would take us around mother princess or uh, uh, mother caddo. I was really raised around my father first dealing with kids. And, and then when I became the oldest, you know, I, i had that knowledge, you know, and know how to respect, not only my elders, but the younger ones. Cause I wanted that respect, you know, from them. And that's what I gave them. So what? my older brother right now, he's like 82. Charles? Yes. And up 65. Four. Sixty-four. She keep around me. But if you're 64, my sister just passed away. She was 80. Yeah, so that's the age difference. Uh, it was about a brother-sister relationship because we will go over to Charles, Barbara, creating uh, house and spend the night, you know. And maybe the kids was more our age. I would think I was maybe two years older than my older sister kid, like right that.
1: Was there uh, a clear definition in visiting them between your relationship with the nieces and nephews versus you with your siblings? So was, did your siblings treat you as a sibling, even though their kids were the same age, or was there a different dynamic that they sometimes treated you like one of their kids?
0: Yeah, that's what I was just finished, A little bit of both. Yeah, because it was, I say, it, even with them, if one of us sat out, everybody come and running and see what was happening. So and that was all fourteen. Okay, I, I got a see everybody. That's all. Now everybody jumping over it. And uh, once someone get into a relationship, then had a baby instead of the disowning that baby. We call it, oh, y'all jumped the broom. Hey, you jumped the broom, y'all got married, and y'all responsible for each other, and y'all would do what it takes to just help the culture. Uh, the blacks really didn't believe in getting married for the white male side of getting the papers and, and okay. all of that because a lot of them couldn't read, but they understand caring and loving each other. And so they was raised like that with the, the culture of at a certain age, you get married, you uh, settle down, you uh, get what you get. For most of the time, age, you get a place. That's what's the main thing, a place to live. live. And then you got a roof over here. That's the main thing. It was, we had a roof over, over our head in. Then whatever comes along to keep that, what they did, you know, that's what we did. It was like that. It was just a culture thing. And, uh, a lot of the white people really did take on doing it. Like we did it. Yeah. Because we was bringing in more produce and products of well, actually getting it done versus on the way that they were doing it. I heard my dad talk about uh, different things with guys and he walk in the house and sit there and talk about the same thing with a uh, mom in agreement or make Some, some kind of other suggestion. He goes that hey, I was thinking about it and doing <laughs> it like this. Oh, that's a good idea, but other man also, when they talk to this wife uh, and These two women haven't talked to each other, but they have the same viewpoint. Actually, I heard my dad said, you've been talking to Dorothy? That's my brother's name. No, to my uncle Frank. He said, no, when I've been talking to your sister, my wife She said, oh, they talk all of that. We're having it both because coming up with the viewpoint that I have now moving to Lafayette and and know uh, and they living that lifestyle and when I really start uh, to like live with them and I was just doing it, it was like mind blowing, you know. So it was like reality, more reality to me of thinking and having uh, imagination as I was coming up. So once I moved there, you know, I've seen all these things that I could really do. And it, uh, it affection includes potential for change. That's, uh, what I was going for. Yeah, when, uh, Vic passed away and went to Hawaii, but just uh, a man named Bill Otto, Eastern Marcus, people, I say is black men in mm. Arkansas, often. and, and he was really in for me, for me coming there and really knowing the information, the material that they, was teaching. I understood and, and was living a lot of, you know, the only difference was that they was presented as a course, you know, and I was living it as a lifestyle of my upbringing from mom and dad and my relatives and stuff. The family that there was about nine houses within maybe three blocks ratings that we all lived in. So we can just walk across the field to different family member houses, you know, and wherever we were, you know, and if it was getting too dark to walk back home, that's what we spend the night at, you know, like that. No more than spending the uh, the weekend. I did a lot of that. The age difference.
1: they all have or experience? Did they learn?
0: Uh, I could, Dad was from my uh, daughter's wife, but I know uh, in his first uh, wife uh, lived in Little Rock. His second wife lived in North Little Rock and my mom is uh, from Mississippi.
1: Great, right. I was going to ask you about that. And that her name's Dorothy, right?
0: Yes. Dorothy.
1: And, and what's your dad's name?
0: Charlie June Goodman.
1: Charlie. That would have names to who we're referring to. I keep track a little bit. I will not ask for family tree because if yours is anything like my, my, my teachers told me to sit down, it was too much for people. Right. When I started color coordinating, pointing out first and second wives and which children matched, they went, you can sit down.
0: Yeah. Okay. And that's what they also did in 1977, North 77, but you and I was together.
1: I moved to Lafayette in 98. I started living.
0: Oh at- uh, I started ancestor family.
1: ancestry. Ancestry got from
0: yeah. Family tree. It, it, it's been about twenty years or fifteen years, but I, 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 that year was seventy-seven when I started. No, we wasn't the year.
1: Nineteen
0: seventy-seven.
1: Nineteen ninety-seven.
0: Ninety-seven. 1997 when I started the family tree, and uh, so I got up to uh, three hundred some people.
1: Why did you start the family tree? Why?
0: Oh, because there was many people in our kids that was good moves and good and good rums. And they said we was uh, all related. And then some of the other uh, people said, no, it just, we got similar names and stuff. So once I looked it up, a lot of the people are related.
1: How far back were you able to go?
0: When you first said it, they to think it was 1883 and that's probably right. I was I was looking at there was a lot of good ones, and
1: did your mom came from Mississippi? Yes. Did she grow up on a farm? N-
0: no. Well, I guess um, it it was somewhat deep, coming out of the slavery time, and, th- and they were still living in shotgun houses. Some elder white people had moved on a pastel some duck. Foremost, had moved into their house and stuff like that. But, I, and, 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 I know my grandfather, actually my, yes, my, yes. My mother's father is white and he was part of the group club. He was the senior or.
1: I don't know what they call them. The grand wizard or. Uh, grand.
0: Right. He, he was the grand. He was grand stuff, the grand senior, grand, right. In the like, Creole, they wasn't married. They were. They was not married, but he did love her and cared for uh, her when he, when she told him that she was pregnant, he moved her out of Mississippi to Chicago from mom was born. A month or so after mom was born in mm-hmm. Mississippi, she grew up in Chicago. My, uh, grandfather moved them to Chicago.
1: More contact with her?
0: Not. Nothing that my mother said we really talk about because they, he made sure that him him, or her and her mother was taken care of and and had a place to live here in Chicago.
1: He gave financial support. Exactly. Did he live with them?
0: No, he stayed in. But he was married to his wife. But when he found out that my grandma was pregnant with my mother, he moved him to Chicago Chicago because. He didn't want them to.
1: Was he married then to a, a traditional white wife? Yes. South. Did your so your mother did talk about him much? How, how did you? What did you learn about him? Just this, or did it, you?
0: Uh, maybe a little bit more. But, I mean, she he did take care of them, you know, until she got of a certain age and started, you know doing it herself and moved out and then her and dad met and to Arkansas dad married her in, uh, in Chicago. Oh, in Did, Chicago.
1: when your mom told you about her father being in the KKK, what was, do you remember about what her demeanor was or how her association was to him or was I it? We
0: were talking about, the uh, family tree at the time. And, uh, she said, get to know your father, don't worry about my son, because my father was grand something.
1: Marshall,
0: like, I think. Maybe Marsh or grand. It started with an a F, but.
1: This, now this is when you were working on the family tree in
0: 1997. Well, actually that was like I was 12 years old talking to my mother.
1: So when you were little, you were asking about her like, well, who are your parents? Where are my grandparents from you?
0: Yeah. I know grandma and my grandmother, but. And I, I, had, I remember meeting my grandmother on my father's side one time when I was really young. And all I know, i seen this tall lady with this long hair uh, braids on both sides, and she looked like an Indian. And uh, when I was talking to my father about it, he said, Yes, my mother is still so a Cherokee Indian.
1: So you got your white, black and American Indian.
0: Yeah, I got African in me. I got because my grandfather or my father is from Africa. Mother mother is Cherokee. I mean I Cherokee trio and my grandfather is Caucasian.
1: When you're twelve and you're living in Arkansas and you're hearing that your grandfathers in the KKK, does that what, does that register with you?
0: It may be more a of direction to take you know, and knowing not to overstep my bounds because I know, yes, on one level.
1: Let me ask you, did you really register and understand what that KK was and that if your grandfather was in it, that was, did that did that be like, was that one of those things like? Wait, my grandfather's in the KKK. That doesn't make sense to me. Did that register with you at all?
0: I did it from watching TV and and listening to my relatives, you know, and going to Lolo school. I know I mean it was a lot of KKK down in Lolo. You go into the town of Lolo, but if you go down into the country or the suburbs to Lolo, no, you, know, you get ran out of there. And though, know, and what I was telling Denise, it was one time Mr. Stone had rented some land down there, you no, know, which was because he's white, but he had some black people down there uh, working the land, you know, and it was a big ride, yeah, because, so you know, it was blacks down there, so they really gave Mr. Stone a really hard time, but that was the first and last time, in there, and know, they say, Lolo, you don't go, you go downtown Lolo, but you don't go down in the country. Suburbs alone. And Lolo, as well as England. You can go downtown, but you start going past that, go past the prison. You, you start even seeing uh, KKK sign like that.
1: So did having, finding out that your grandfather was KKK, kid, 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 have any bearing on a different view of members of the KKK. Because it said, "Did your father? Did your mother speak kindly of him?" Neutral.
0: I said neutral. I mean, like I said, to me. she said you can get to know your father's side of family, but don't worry about my side because my father is KKK. She said he sent us. She, she was there. he sent my my mom and me to Thank Chicago right after I was born, and then took care of us, but, but oh. she didn't see him like raised up work but he would settle money and no, uh, like that.
1: Was it confusing to you that the KKK is a dangerous place to go? Like the certain areas I can't go. But then my grandfather's KKK and my mother's not saying nasty things about him. Was that, I would think as 12, that would be a little bit confusing cultural even. you're not supposed to know oh, then KKK is my grandmother, my mother's not going, he was a horrible person and we had to run for our lives.
0: Now, truthfully, I was more fear of the regular white people because they were showing how prejudiced and racist they were versus <laughs> on the KKK didn't hesitate about telling you who they were and uh, what they represent. Just some of the white people's on the farm that know that knew that it was the foreman, you know, and like pretty much called the shots. They quit, you know. And my my, my father was the foreman three different forms.
1: Oh, three different farms.
0: Yeah, three different farms. I, mean, and-
1: I would think that would give you a really interesting perspective because you see the the regular white folk who they're adjusting to a culture that, that they don't understand. And they've been taught to think these things. And then your father is the foreman and he's, he's moved up in the world. Like he's the boss of some of these white people. What an interesting perspective for you to experience and see.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's what I grew up around, you know, it's taking leadership was Mm -hmm. it to me. No, you know, and being responsible for the deals that I'm doing who I am, listen to other people's viewpoint, just in mean I have to do it. And that's one of the things I found coming up that a lot of people's well said different things and no and I'm noticing other people's are doing them. And then I asked the question to one of the people's people said, Oh, go ask John. Well, it's your car. Why should I ask John? uh, Can you take me to the store? He in the house, and he might want to uh, go somewhere. Where? Oh, John, control you and your car. But it, yeah, it was. It, excuse me. Interesting. Yeah.
1: I'm gonna rewind you back a little bit, material okay. back in time. So, what did your mom do in Chicago?
0: She worked at Sears. Uh, in, in Where do you wrap them? And I mean, and. and her and mom or grandma when I was looking it up, I found grandmother, my grandmother picture and first it says, Wow, that white lady look familiar.
1: Your mom basically grew up as as a city girl. Yeah. She's a city girl. But how did she meet this farmer?
0: At a club in Chicago. Dad at the time was living in Benton August, maybe two hours away or something. In Chicago, Chicago was pretty hip and my mom was 25, you know, but yeah. But her and daddy was, had met each other maybe two years before. It was, I would actually sat and talk with my dad, you know, and said talk with my mom my grandmother, you know, my uncle, I you know, I don't know. I was just wondering how was their life growing up when, you know, they, you know, Having an outhouse. It, it was just her. And uh, my grandma said that she had a brother, but she hadn't seen his sister left Mississippi. So <laughs> it was something that is one of them clubs that was kept to happen on Friday nights and Saturday nights. No, you know, that everybody wanted to go to because it was a live. And it was uh, a couple of live bands before they became popular. Mom and dad knew. Yeah, uh, in the same realm of, right. Yeah. Bibi King. Yeah. They had no B.B. King. I don't know. They said they met at the club and that's for about maybe the first month or so. That's where they would meet up. Yeah. And then after that, we start going to Chicago and, you know, and seeing her without seeing that the club and then next thing, I know, he heard that she was pregnant, you know, and. When she uh, told me she was pregnant, he married her. He jumped the room first. A big adjustment, cause I didn't talk about that to me once. Yeah, they get together because my, my auntie, my oldest, my father's oldest sister, they actually was hanging out together. My mom and, oh. and Gussie,
1: hey.
0: yeah, they knew each other and they started hanging out together and dad and Augusta would go down to Chicago and, uh, then dad started going. And so, I know uh, it wasn't quite as scary because I mean, she, once her, I guess they found out her and dad was together. You no, know, I mean, it just accepted her in.
1: Now, how long had it been since your father was divorced or not with the other, the wife before?
0: Well, it had to be seven, at least seven years, because he was he had seven kids and it was all a year apart. So what? That I mean, it was uh, the Vietnam uh, war was uh, still going, was still happening. And what's so it was three years before I was born. So what, whatever was going on then and, you know, and it was the baby boomer. So they was born yep. really wanting They Dad was living in the big white house. I remember uh, for. As long as I remember style, cause we wasn't, uh, allowed to go off the porch, but we ran around from the front of the porch, the front door to the back door. Completely around uh, yeah, and, 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 never went on the ground. Dad was living, I wouldn't be yeah. Somewhere I was, We was living in Scott Arkansas, cause that's what's in my book. We were in Scott Arkansas at the time and. Uh, but when I got big enough to remember this, I don't remember the uh, 222 route, right, 222 box route, right, 222, that's the address where I was born. That's where I was living at. And why I remember that because it's on my first certificate. Yeah. For the long run, my brother, I've been at of office all for years and you no, know? and he said, oh, let me give you a zip, give me your zip code and he said, I know, where did they go look, but I don't know it. I said, he said, yeah, he said, I know you've
1: been in, in California.
0: I said, about 30 years. Hey, that age master, one, one, two.
1: Younger siblings.
0: Yeah. So six, uh, no, five younger than me.
1: Five younger siblings.
0: Yeah. John Marilyn, Lily, Mike, and Craig. Yeah.
1: So Anne was born before you.
0: Anne was born for me. Yeah.
1: And it's from your same birth parents.
0: Yeah, it hey, was the first uh, seven dad Yeah,
1: So he had 14 kids total. Right. Talk about fertile. Right. I call some of my family members rabbits.
0: Yeah. And they you be you Jane, you don't have any kids. It's like, I want that throttle. Yeah,
1: yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, that's what I always say to my family. like, you guys are doing five on your own. Yeah. My mother was one of 13 kids, yeah, but my grandmother actually gave birth to 15 and lost to like, and then. I can't even, I don't have any and that's just fine.
0: Yeah. One of my nieces, she got married and she, I think it was like two year, three year past and they wanted to have a kid. And so when she finally got pregnant, she was all happy and stuff. But when she got rid of the habit, she said to her, mom, you didn't tell me it was going to hurt like this.
1: The next 18 to 21 years.
0: That was the pain. <laughs>
1: Did you move to different farms? They always with the stones.
0: We moved and uh, I guess a few times, we we, we moved on Bud farm. because there, like I said, that was the manager of all three farms. And Mr. Bud was, and Mr. Uh, lived side by side. And uh, Mr. Bud and Mr. June. Right.
1: Or junior.
0: No, June. And they, they said junior, His said was junior lips and I'm trying to think of a uh, he was a junior, youth was uh, Bud Lipson, his Fred, Mr. Fred was his uh, father.
1: The three farms your dad managed were Mr. Bud's, Mr. Junes and Mr. Stone's? Yes. But Mr. Stone was your main, the person that played a bigger role in your life.
0: In a bigger role, right? Yes. That's where I hung yeah. out at. I did uh, a lot of the work there, uh, learned on the phone. Mm-hmm riding the horses, driving the trucks, you know, the tractors and then do the same thing with pretty much all of them. I got to, my uncle was the first one that taught me to driving the tractors. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then they would come by the house and get me, kind of for me. And so I always had five or $10 during the week from one of them. So when I left and went to our um, place, went to California, I had $50 in my pocket just because. It was there and there. It was just like stash money like mm-hmm. really thinking about it. And I was back. I was in California three months before I even remember there was $50 in my pocket.
1: I had the money under the board.
0: And so when I, planned, yeah, my brother had gave me, I think thirty, forty dollars and I was running out with my buddies and stuff and they were spending money. And so uh, it was like six months I went and bought something that I really wanted with Mm -hmm. that, not just hanging out money or splurging. And so I started like putting money back because of that, because I didn't need it at the time, but when I did, I bought something that was going to benefit me with it. And so I I maintained that and that was a learning experience right there for me.
1: And I'm going to bring that back up when we get to California. So. You have the seven kids. That, did you go share a house? Did you all share a room? Did you
0: the, seven, get the boys together
1: with their bunk beds? What did that look like?
0: The rooms were at twelve by twelve. Most of the rooms were. Oh, we had uh, regular size, just beds. You no know, uh, single uh, mattress. What is the four inches wide? The regular size mattress. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't well, no bunk beds. We didn't have no bunk beds. Dude. But I, I do remember, all that was, even when it was like five, six, we got a bed over here, a bed over there and all that was had, all the boys slept in the same room, but all of us had different beds and, and then the girls, it was four girls. And so it was two beds in there and the girls slept, but the boys, we always did have smaller beds, we get individual beds. We talked about the things that our relatives and parents talked about, being in, and being responsible for who you are. And that's the main thing they talked to us about is having your own and cleaning your room and being responsible for that space. And so once you leave that room, uh, you're going to get a house. And that's, in our place, our all it was, at the time, anyway, it was just houses. It wasn't an no apartment. And so we all looked into getting a house, and know, and it was quite a few houses I moved in that was run down. And I told the people what they needed. I could put the sheetrock up. I can do this and that. And they bought the material. I stayed in the house, fixed the house up. And when it came time, they wanted to rent the house out. They gave me a, a lump sum of money, you know, and moved me to another house. They needed chips, you know. So, so
1: uh, when you're in this, it's so interesting to me that nowadays it's such an important thing for every child to have their own room. But when I look back at like when my mom was growing up and the kids, a big families like up the street from me, they have 11 children. And I know they all share rooms and they do homeschooling and they just seem to have a better understanding of each other, a connection than all the kids that live their own lives in separate bedrooms. Did you find that was a good connector for you at
0: all? I, I see the difference when I moved out, I was still visiting, all the people that have big kids have their own room. And, uh, a lot of times during the their room, and okay. so it, it did Feel like a uh, separation, you know. But when we was growing up, we wake up when we were always for the habit, just out of habit. Hey, Michael, you hey John, And they would speak to us too. You say anything. And if one of them's laying in there, we get up or something and they they not woke, we wake them up and you're did because it was more of being aware of one another, you know, and caring about one another's welfare. No, and really wasn't thinking about the carrying and welfare of it, but it was just out of habit. Make sure that John's shoes was tied. With it, and I do remember learning teaching Michael how to tie his shoes, and and that was you no know, fun. He put his shoes. on, walk up there and put his feet out, and I was tying shoes. And one day I looked up, and I looked up at it. I said. You've been seeing me do this for how many years? He said, I can do it. I thought
1: it was a joint for you. I wanted to save that for you. Oh, that's funny. That was because you were the oldest boy.
0: Yeah. And I would always I say that he put his shoes as a commit. He got to the point that he put his shoes on while well, going there and speaking hey, to me. My big brother had my shoes. I know he got big. You know, bit, you know I mean? and, and I did notice one day that his shoes so, are. John wants to tie his shoes, but somebody did. It, you know, and so when they put him on, he looked at me. i, I seemed seen so like effort to do it. And I said, tell you, she my you tied a shoe. I said, hey, tiny shoe. He said, I thought you wanted to do
1: What did you learn from that? Actually, that's a really interesting life lesson because you're I the this one, you're naturally caretaking oh, and stuff I, that the kids now see, you
0: know? Yeah. As I learned respect something they know that would read about me, you know, they also were gratified of wanting me to do it from, you no, know, and it was fun. So it was related. It was, it was a reason to relate with each other.
1: And I also, that the whole piece about questions and clarity in communication. And that moment of when you're like, wait, you can tie your shoes? And they're like, I thought you wanted to do it. That communication also is a lesson in I need to watch these kids make sure they actually—they probably all know how to tie their shoes.
0: Yeah, I guess it's something they wanted Big Brother to do, and they said that I was going to make sure it was done
1: all together, did you have, did you share worries of what was happening with the family or what was happening in the community or if there was an issue with a white person that was having a problem or did you always sit in the room and worry about that stuff or were you more focused on... I, I was still
0: more neutral. What was going on you know, and did it really concern me or oh, what could I do about it at... at- That age, in a way, it wasn't a big worry, but I also looked to my father and mother and see that they worry about it. And there's something that they want to say about it with quite a dear lead.
1: So, was there anything you can think of when you were young that you knew your parents were worried or there was an issue that and how you felt about that? Because I think this is really interesting. A lot of children take on the worries of their parents because their parents don't have the leadership. Yours did. I'm just curious. Yeah,
0: I felt the responsibility of what they was doing out of respect and, you know, in caring for us, you No, know, I, I wanted that in me. I didn't uh, feel like we needed nothing. We light bills, gas bills. At the time we had the propane tanks mm-hmm. that had run out. Then if they, they ran on the weekend, we might get it on Saturday, but Sunday is out of the question. So uh, th few times we should have had two. Weren't really worried about that. And then I start actually turning off the gas when it wasn't really cold. Tell the kids say, Go put on a sweater. I'm not going to uh, turn up the heater because you run around in a t shirt.
1: Did did your parents ask you to do that?
0: Yeah, it's something I've seen them do, you know, and a part of the lead.
1: So let me ask you this. Did you worry that they were going to be like, your child, we're the ones responsible. You're not supposed to be doing that.
0: No, because the dad and mom was very direct and so was my grandmother. She said, if I say something and you don't do it right away, if ever say right away, then I'm punish she said I'm you, she said, get you. I'm gonna get
1: you. Get you. You're like, I don't know what that means, but that could be anything. Yeah. Did you did you feel like your parents taught you responsibility through following their lead and yes. then giving you that leeway? Or was there uh, a lot of talk uh, it, about you need to be responsible? You're the oldest uh, one?
0: No, no. I, I really seen a lot of that in other people family. But yes, I, I really enjoyed being the oldest for, you know, and looking at their responsibility and knowing my first seven brothers and sisters you know, and knowing most of them was married and had family. Yes. I want a father dearly and they all respect that, you know, and they, uh, dad, you know, and they, they said, yes.
1: How, what, what were the qualities of your father of leadership and respect? And uh, you hear from a lot of people of well, he was loud or he was domineering or very direct. And that's where people felt like, oh, I just, I knew, but there was, there's a different kind of level of respect that you had for your father and his leadership. What was he like? What did you admire about him? What was it that you wanted to emulate? What were the characteristics?
0: Very deliberate on what he do and say. If you tell yourself to me, he meant it. And if you tried to cross the arm, you would feel the repercussion. What does that mean? Uh, what did that
1: look like? And was that, was that like a thing of fear or more, or you knew you would too, Bart.
0: Yeah, fear People. it was most of the people's that, uh, what's his age? Because anybody my age respected all, everybody, you know all the elders, we was not about to get hit by the father. We want we we get in trouble. We run to mom. You didn't want me, but not dad.
1: Now, was there was there fear in not doing the right thing and not being responsible, or was there something else in there that that really drove you?
0: Well, but I, not really fear. It, was, it wasn't a lot of fear in there. It uh, what uh, cure and all right, showing sure, you it and, and you know, and being responsible, making sure that the lights is on the, the gas or even guys, we'll walk out to the bus. But if it's too cold, they would take us and we sat in the car until the bus car, we'll be sitting out there when, when we get out of school. So like that, you know, but they, if it's a sort of cool, normal day, a by the time we run home two three blocks, it it, it we was used to know and uh, stuff like that.
1: Do these words ring true to you when you talk about responsible? These are the words that come up for me. Okay, mean, considerate and thoughtful. Yes, those are the things that really come up to me. Of like you were, the, your dad was considerate and thoughtful about the fact that you would have to stand in the snow. It's considerate and thoughtful that turn the lights off if we don't need to use them. And the welfare of others falls under considerate and thought.
0: That's right. Yeah. you always thought, wanted to uh, tell us the right thing. When he's joking with us and we are laughing so hard that we cry. We kept each other laughing.
1: Do your parents see the glass half full or half empty?
0: No, you started That's what I say.
1: And did you, were there games that you played? Was, what was, what did it feel like when you were calling with your family?
0: Most of them, when we were living on the farm, just out there in the beginning, doing uh, the farm work and being out there with the guys and stuff, before I started working, actually being paid was one of the main things because they was teaching me something. You know, uh, Sister Lily could ride a horse just as good as I could, you know?
1: How old did you learn to ride a horse? You
0: no, know, And she was late.
1: That horse.
0: Like, oh, we ride a horse. Man. We was it wasn't a big horse. It was a shedding pony or, uh,
1: out of trade horses,
0: Right. Yeah. And so knowing we're not a little scattered because there was always, uh, coming up to the porch and that's where the actual Lily one walked up there and she did that he got on her back, no, no, uh, no. and just had divorce and divorce. <laughs> and the horse and rode the horse and one of the guys come running out of there. To, to grab her, and you know, then she pulled her back, and the horse started. You know, and he said, "Wow, something is it." But the same horse, he took the horse down, and, and he was <laughs> just going off and on, and he was trying to put a cellar on it. You no, know,
1: horses are so energy; they read your emotions and your right. energy just from touching. Just, that's right. Yeah,
0: and then yeah. He would, she was just come up there. Stick her head up there and she would rub it. And then one day she just crawled through the little bed and got on the horse and said, Hey,
1: hey. Wait, So you were standing there. Did you say, What are you doing? Or did you just say, We'll try?
0: No, I, I, she, I see I always rough the horse. We always come up to her. So when she got clammed over at the little rail and got on that horse, I stood there and looked at her and I couldn't.
1: Did you, were you aware that at that time that horses understood people at that level? That, yeah. Yeah. I figured you probably did. I, I did, were you told that or was that just.
0: I was able to experience and mm-hmm. watching cowboy movies and then there was the one horse that will always will walk up to this man and he'll go to talking to her and, so, of course, you stayed. understand, you No, know, but he had a relationship. And so when I say uh, Millie was doing the same thing with that horse, I didn't, it didn't, you know, I just, they created a relationship and they, they getting to know one of What I said, I didn't know the word relationship, but right. they get getting
1: you, you can't relate it when you're 10, but now when you look back, there yep. is a level of energetic and body language communication happening with a horse that you were learning that could eventually translate to human relationships. Wink, did you ever connect that with school, when did that connect for you or did it ever actually connect?
0: We at the connection just from that many kids growing up. Yeah. And then after growing, the, growing up and started being with my relatives and spending the night and I, it just, I just felt that bond. And one of my cousins had this here, it was a rock route. I didn't know it at the time, but it was like, these people were just, even some make my kids, I walk around and the dog was tied up. And when my dad drove up, he pulled near the fence, you know, and he sort of thought everybody was going to walk around and follow him. But I kids up the car walk right past the dog and never even thought about it. And I noticed of was standing there. <laughs> he didn't do okay, nothing. And they said, the dog this is this that, that. And I said, oh. I started to walk around the dog, the doctor. I walked towards the dog and he said wag this tail. Yeah, I walked past Matt, touched him on the head. No, sometimes I stood up and didn't talk with the dog. I said, wow.
1: Your confidence level, that played a huge role. And even just that dog or the confidence in understanding the relationship with a horse and how that worked and and Lily's getting on the horse. She had confidence in that horse. She had confidence in her and you didn't have that worry or concern. That confidence level, where, what, when did that start showing up for you to be able to, because you were to be able to have that dog and those horses to react to you that way. You physically held yourself in a confident manner. Horses are very aware of holding your head up and standing straight. And so where did that all, when did that start showing up for you?
0: I, I will at five. We did the, the, we was living in the, in the, big white house. The horses would come up to the porch and so, and all those was just, no. You know, just at first we would just look at the horses. We know that the horse will carry, but we always just put it on on the fence and the horse will grab it. And then we got to the point that we just beat it, knowing that the horse wasn't going to bite us. Yeah, it's weird. Because
1: that's a really, so when Denise was saying about you going into Lafayette and being in that environment with those successful people. You already were learning away actually from the environment even with the and relating to the animals, the situations of being confident in intimidating situations. So those uh, are people. I find people the least intimate, like, I yeah, met high profile people. I find them the least intimidating on the planet. They're people, they put their pants on one leg at a time. If they don't, then I worry. Right. But That is that because you were able to carry yourself with physical confidence which came off in, in your ability to be confident in any situation through that.
0: And we have a, a bull, a big, what is it, grandma A bull? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I got to the point I started going out there and putting uh, the hay, you know, and uh, do my cows that came in to eat. And they locked that bull. I bull. And then all of a sudden, I wasn't even thinking, it. I just went to clean it. And now, and that bull we just getting that, boom, finally. Now, and what's wrong with you? That just asked to pull that. And then uh, I said all these cows standing uh, near the bed, near the barn. And uh, yeah. And so instead of me, used to do what I usually do is just put the thing the head over there and push it over in there. This time I opened up the, bed, the gate. You uh, know, and I just throw it in there. And before I can go back and grab the oil and that boot, hit that that gate. Bam. I was, I'm glad I was standing at least five feet away from it. and, uh, and I, uh, and, uh, and, but he hit this other gate and, and went right through it. you uh, know, uh, one of the guys, said, why did you have to go around? Just beam it. He said, yeah, but he noticed that, uh, he heard you open that gate. And it's already it took, cause I didn't open it wide. I did opened open it open a lot. <laughs> uh,
1: and that's interesting because I think we forget about what's the confidence and the strength that came from the days when many of us were all, like my family were far, my grandparents had a horse ranch of the respect that you get from working the farm and from each other and these animals. Yeah. The confidence that you get from, you've got to figure it out. There's nobody that lives anywhere nearby. You've got to figure it out. You And you've you got, got to.
0: to. Right. Yeah. you know. And for me, after the man explained it to me why they had to the go locked up. But I mean, because I mean, w- they they wanted to separate the cows from the young cows. But that year, they had about 12, 15 cows. Cow. They had two or three. <laughs>
1: Did you have to do all the chores in the morning and get up at 5 a.m. and do chores and then do it after
0: school? Yes, our uh, day would get up at 4 and, uh, and then I would start, I started getting up with him, you know, and yes, I started doing my chores in the morning for I little school, mm-hmm. ten, twelve. At the same time, I started riding traps and running the horses, real cowboy. Were
1: you, Was it 10 that you got integrated?
0: I was. Row 12 was only 6th grade.
1: Uh